Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y.com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. You got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You have keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You got fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. Got that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight, camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient. It's safe. It's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Hump Day edition of The Yard. Uh, back as promised two days in a row after we missed uh, Monday as a travel day, getting back from Rocklahoma and spending some time with the Rocklahomies. The uh, NCAA Baseball Selection Show has taken place. We kind of know where we are, where we stand, who we got to play. And it's one of those things when you kind of look ahead. There's so many people that look at this tournament, and it appears to be such a daunting task. And see, here's the deal. We don't have to beat everybody to be the national champion. We just have to beat the teams we play. And so that, that sounds pretty elementary, but it's as simple as this. You win three in a regional, two in a super regional, then you're in Omaha. It's as simple as that. And then once you get there, you win three in your bracket, and then you win two in the championship series. So let's look at it this way. Ten wins away from a national championship. Ten wins away. Let's see if we can't take the uh, the first step uh, on Friday. We'll get into some of that. We'll look ahead to the regional. Uh, we'll look ahead to some of the teams that are coming to Starkville. And, and uh, man, what, I tell you this. This will sound like I'm pandering, and I don't mean to. But, you know, if you got to go on the road, if you got to go on the road, you gotta go, You got to leave your, your home territory. you got to get out of your out of your own neck of the woods, and you got to travel. What better place? than to go play a college baseball regional than at Mississippi State. You know, when you think about the cathedrals of college baseball in the Southeastern Conference, and, and we have the lion's share of the best baseball facilities in the country, but you could do a lot worse as a road regional team than going to Mississippi State and being part of this first regional experience at Duty Noble Field, the new dude. Uh, and so I think it's a pretty cool thing. I know the Mississippi State fan base is pretty savvy when it comes to college baseball. I know many of you will stay on uh, Friday evening and uh, watch Central Michigan and Miami play. And I don't know about you, but I will be cheering for the Chippewas. Really, 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 really cheering for the Chippewas. Uh, Miami's a dangerous too. They really are. They're dangerous too. And uh, they didn't do us any favors by putting them in our bracket. But uh, 
you know, we kind of owe those guys a little bit anyway. So, uh, so Bobby Thigpen, this one's for you. You know, hopefully we can get those guys this weekend for you. I want to thank our friends at Campus Bookmart, Stan Ray, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie, who runs the show downstairs. One of the first smiling faces you'll see when you walk into Campus Bookmart is the uh, lovely, talented Susie. Go by, say hello, get to know these folks. They're going to be servicing you. They're going to be taking care of you. It is a Starkvilligan institution. Campus Bookmart has been around forever and a day. Many of you bought your textbooks from Campus Bookmart when you were students here. Now it's time to outfit the home, the pet, the family, the RV, whatever, with Mississippi State merchandise. You can find whatever you want at Campus Bookmart. If you can't make it to town, or perhaps game day is not a great shopping day for you, we encourage you to shop online at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, We'll give you a phrase that pays. We'll give you a promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. Use that code and you get free shipping on all orders over $50. Again, that's BSR, Beautiful Steve Robertson, at campusbookmart.net. You can find those NCAA Starkville Baseball Regional shirts there. So, like, if you're coming to town Thursday night or Friday morning, swing by and pick up that shirt, wear it to Duty Noble Field. So uh, the big news before we get into baseball, probably perhaps the biggest news of the week leading into the regional, was without a doubt, without a doubt, the return of Reggie Perry. While it may come as no surprise, it is certainly a relief to Mississippi State fans that Reggie Perry is now withdrawn from the NBA NBA draft. All due respect to Reggie. So when he entered the draft, the talk then in Starkville among our basketball people is he will be back. He just wants to go have the experience, kind of test the waters, see where he stands, get evaluated, have an idea of what he needs to work on, improve himself as a player, but we expect him back. Well, then he got invited to the NBA Combine, and then there were some people that kind of raised an eyebrow or two saying, hey, you know, listen, this might be a real issue here, but our basketball people continued to say, hey, look, you know, he'll be back. He'll, He'll be back. And... He may come back and have a chance to make a run at SEC Player of the Year. You know, I, I don't know that I was ready to hear that. Because, you know, I, I really thought Reggie was a difference maker down the stretch for us. But when you begin to look at this league and what we have returning in the league, there's a bit of a vacuum right now when it comes to superstars. There is a real chance for a guy like Reggie Perry to become a dominant player in the Southeastern Conference. And I also think, too, this whole draft experience, this whole pre-draft camps and workouts and all that I think all of that he's probably only wet Big Reg's appetite even more I think he will come back with something to prove I think now that he realizes that his professional basketball dreams can be realized and that he has an opportunity to play in the National Basketball Association I think you're going to see a more committed Reggie Perry you're going to see a more dominant Reggie Perry and I think on the floor you're going to see a more emphatic Reggie around the rim I think when it's time to finish Reggie Perry will finish. That was one of the things last year you kind of looked at and said, you know, I wish sometimes the guy that's, you know, 6'10", 245 pounds, just go up and ram it home. And there were times he tried to lay it up and kind of finesse it. I I suspect that you will see that part of Reggie's game improve in in a number of ways. I really expect to see him be a more dominant player inside. So we will see how that all shakes out. It's one of the things, too, when you begin to look at this team, and you begin to think about what you have coming back. And we, and we, we sat down the stretch last year when, when Reggie Perry and Robert Woodard began getting more minutes. Mississippi State became a better basketball team. That's the reality of things. State, over the course of the last three, four years, really since Gavin Ware left, Mississippi State has been a little bit soft in the post, okay? And, and, and I love Mississippi State, so I can get away with saying that. That's the reality of things. Mississippi State has not been strong in the post. We had some some lean years even when we had Gavin here, but you know Gavin was the guy that uh, could get in there and play pretty physical. We've been pretty soft. But now when you begin to think about what's coming back, Nick Weatherspoon will be back. Will Nick miss a game or two? Mm, probably. But Nick's coming back. Nick Weatherspoon is going to play basketball at Mississippi State. I know there's some people out there with, quote, sources uh, that, that may have suggested otherwise. And uh, there were times that I'll be honest with you, there were times in the early going of this, this fiasco that I thought, you know what, maybe maybe he's done. And uh, maybe Nick just decides on his own, you know what, maybe it's time for me to push on. 
but that's not the case. Nick will be back. And so you begin to think about the nucleus of Nick Witherspoon, Reggie Perry, and Robert Woodard right there, three stars. You got three guys right there that can really play. That can really, really play. Not just be role players. You've got guys that can be dominant players. You think about Prince Aduro, he you know, redshirted last year, transferring from Siena. We expect him to come in and be a guy that uh, they can kind of compete for uh, for minutes there at that power forward spot. You know, we think Abdul will do. We'll be right back. You know, I think Abdul and and uh, Reggie on the floor together. I think that, that that's interesting. And then you think Tyson Carter, who had his best year in the Bulldog uniform last year, really beginning to find a sense of himself, works his way back into the starting lineup when Nick Weatherspoon goes out. So you begin to feel good about that starting five. Now it's about finding some depth, right? Now it's about kind of figuring some things out. You got DJ Stewart, a guy last year that, uh, you know, we expect some big things from him long-term. Had the red shirt year last year as he got healthy. And not to mention, too, you didn't want to burn some um, burn any of his eligibility when you were so guard-heavy last year. Uh, but we feel good about that starting group, and then we'll see. You know, we, we need to find some depth at guard. There's absolutely no doubt about it. But the big news today is Reggie Perry is back, and that is really the centerpiece of the Mississippi Statements basketball experience kind of moving forward. We feel like he has a chance you know, to really be a Charles Rhodes-type transcendent player that can kind of put a team on his back. When it's time to close the game out, you're going to need that guy that can get you a basket. You know, Quindary was kind of that guy the last year or two. You know, God bless Quindary Weatherspoon. My goodness. The guy got absolutely beat to death every night in the SEC and didn't always get the call. But more times than not, he was a guy that could get to the line. But now Quindary is gone, so somebody else has got to be that guy late in the ball game that you can, you know, you can kind of turn to and say, hey, go get us a basket, big fella. Uh, that's Reggie. But I think Reggie's game is going to be made that much better because I, I expect Robert Woodard to be in that starting role now. And you begin to think about, you know, the LinkedIn side with, you know, Robert Woodard, Reggie Perry, uh, and Abdul Adu. You got to be able to rebound pretty well. You got to be good on perimeter defense. But you begin to think about that size inside. It's almost like this team is really beginning to kind of transition. You know, we'll see how things develop. But that is absolutely huge news to get Reggie Perry back. And again, as I said to open a segment, not a real surprise. But a huge relief because even though everybody's, you know, everybody talks to people, okay, that's one of those things we've learned is everybody talks to somebody. And even people close to the situation sometimes don't have the best read on it. But everybody kept saying, hey, you know, listen, we expect him back, we expect him back, we expect him back. And while that all sounded good and it was reassuring, now it's officially over. Now it's officially one less thing to worry about, right? And so what a relief it is for Mississippi State folks because we get back to the NCAA tournament last year. Uh, disappointing finish, obviously, but we, we were able to get into the dance. Now you begin to look ahead and say, okay, we can kind of build upon that. We should be right back into the tournament this year. There are a lot of people already beginning to forecast Mississippi State as a top 25 team for next year. I think once the situation around Nick Weatherspoon is kind of cleared up, I think once that's kind of announced and kind of final, I think a lot of people will be you know, ready to go, you know, ready to go and say, okay, listen, this team is very, very talented. They've got youth. They've got explosiveness. They've got leaping ability. They're going to be a highlight reel. They're going to be fun to watch. And it's one of the things when you look at this Bulldog offense over the course of the last few years, at times it's kind of been a grinded-out mentality. But I think when you've got some high risers and you've got guys like you know, Robert Woodard and, and, uh, and Reggie Perry, guys that can finish at the rim, and you've got an explosive guy like Nick Witherspoon who can jump out of the gym, uh, you're going to sell tickets. People are going to want to see that team. And that's one of the things that I begin to really think about next year uh, with this team is that, you know, you have got some guys out there that have the potential to kind of play beyond the college level. And I don't, I don't mean going to Israel or whatever. I mean, it's some guys that have a chance to play uh, in the National Basketball Association. And so that leads uh, to highlights. That leads to excitement. That leads to a packed student section. And, and one of my favorite things about – the basketball experience at Humphrey Coliseum are our students, and uh, they are kind of the um, kind of the arbiters of spirit when it comes to Humphrey Coliseum. As the students go, oftentimes so does the rest of the crowd, because more times than not, when the team needs that emotional lift and they need the crowd to get behind them, it originates with our students. It's a tip of the cap to you guys. Look forward to a huge year as you guys uh, 
blow up those uh, Reggie Perry uh, pictures and have them uh, in in the stands and uh, really love those guys and 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 their intensity and uh, and affection for our Mississippi State athletic programs. So I uh, want to thank you guys too for uh, for being good friends to Bulldog Burger Company. Every time I go in there, every single time, one of the wait staff or member management always says, "Hey, we had somebody in here that was asking about you. We had somebody that said they heard about Bulldog Burger Company on the boneyard and wanted to come by and try it out." And so number one, thank you for that. And number two, you're welcome. You're welcome because I would not affiliate with anybody that I didn't believe would bring you good value, okay? And that's kind of what we've got at Bulldog Burger Company. That, that it, without a doubt, the best hamburger place in the state of Mississippi, okay? It's as simple as that. Certainly in the Golden Triangle in northern half of Mississippi. I, I don't think there's anybody that can, that can hold a candle uh, to the good folks at Bulldog Burger Company. And it's not just hamburgers. You can go have a great restaurant-quality hamburger, which is one of the great delicacies in life. But you, you can also go have a great salad. If you want to eat a little bit healthy, you can do that. Matter of fact, you can get a hamburger with a gluten-free bun. You can get the wheat bun. You can get no bun. You can get it served on a bed of lettuce if you want. They might even slice it up for you. I don't know. I've never asked that. I, don't, I feel like that's something I can do myself. I can, I can cut up my own meat. But the bottom line is, you need to go by, find your own favorites, enjoy the spring rolls, enjoy the staff, enjoy the atmosphere. It is a great place that is truly one of Starkville's uh, you know, best places to go and break bread. Again, that's Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people in Starkville go to meet, M-E-A-T. So let's get into baseball. No firm plans yet on pitching. I suspect we will find out on tomorrow. Now, Thursday, we have full media availability. We will have the opportunity to meet with every team, every coach. It will get some information. I suspect that we'll have uh, pitching plans for the weekend pretty much finalized by then. And we'll be able to announce it. So our, our plan tomorrow is to cover everybody, not just Mississippi State and Southern. We'll cover everybody. We'll have that over on Gene's page for free. We'll post that video up there, and you'll have an opportunity to hear the, the players talk about you know, playing a Dirty Noble and uh, their outlook on the weekend. And uh, so that'll be tomorrow. That'll all start. Uh, I think we get we get there on 930. I think the whole thing kicks off around 10. It'll end sometime around 2, 230. But look for that content, because I don't know that anybody else is going to have everybody. But we'll have everybody available for you over on Gene's page. And so uh, that's an important part of the day. I, I Again, I, I'm not exactly sure how this whole thing plays out on Friday for Mississippi State with the noon game. Do we start Peyton Plumley? Do we start JT again? I was told yesterday that uh, Coach Chris Monis wanted to, uh, to let the guys throw in the pen a little bit and kind of see how everybody feels before making a decision for Friday. One of the things that I think about uh, for that Friday deal, number one, I, I, I kind of like the idea of pitching backwards. And, I, and listen, I, I get it. People come out and say, well, you know, Steve, we don't want to insult Southern, and we certainly don't, that they were winners of their conference. Uh, but the bottom line is Mississippi State, is substantially a better team. Now, now, the better team doesn't always win. The team that plays better on that day wins. But Peyton Plumley has pitched in the postseason. Peyton Plumley has pitched in regionals. He's pitched in super regionals. So the big stage's not going to bother him. Now, JT Ginn is a freshman that's mature beyond his years. But when I began to think about, okay, going out there that, that Friday night game, I, you know, I'm, I don't know if I want to give JT a little more rest. You know, he, he's put a lot of innings on that arm, more innings than he's ever thrown in his life. And so if you would like to go with Peyton and throw Ethan on Saturday and then come back with JT in game three, that's fine. You know what? If JT goes out and throws today and he's feeling great and he can go get you a win on Friday, then that's fine. I don't think you throw Ethan Small against Southern. I don't think that's necessary. I think you're going to need him – in game two, and kind of my philosophy has always been when you when you were the one seed, you know, you, you feel like you need to save your ace for, for the, the two game. You know, that, that's just how it is in my mind. I think it makes the best sense to do that. You know, you, you throw that guy because you want to be 2-0 and after two games because you're going to get deeper into everybody's bullpen. You're going to get deeper into their pitching rotation because whoever loses that game on Saturday, let's say you go 1-1, one and one, well, then you got to go play elimination game, and you got to work your way back, and you still have to beat the beat the 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 top team twice. So Mississippi State can put themselves in a situation to you know win three games, 
or have to play some additional ball games. And so I think it makes sense to throw Ethan, not to mention the fact that in the event that Miami wins, and there's no guarantee that Miami's going to win. Central Michigan's a good baseball team. But Miami's got half a dozen guys in their order that swing from the left side. And uh, Ethan Small has been absolutely deadly against everybody, but he is absolutely criminal against left-handed hitters. And so to me, that makes the most sense. Now, now, Chris Lamona said earlier today uh, on a radio interview, I believe with Matt Wyatt, that, um, that you know, in years past, he's always kind of thrown his ace on Friday just to kind of keep guys on their regular day. Uh, I think things are a little bit different after last week in the SEC tournament. Uh, but I think it's pretty safe to say you, you won't throw Ethan Small on, on Saturday. On, on Friday, I'll be surprised if he throws Friday. I will really be surprised. Uh, I think Peyton Plumlee's the way to go, but Chris Lamontis didn't call and ask me. And, and when we get ready to have that press conference on Thursday, he's not going to poll the room. He and Scott Fox all will make that decision. Uh, but looking ahead to Southern, we feel pretty confident uh, that Southern is going to throw uh, their ace. I don't think there's any question that, that that's what they'll do. Um, you know, I don't think there's any people, too, that expect Southern to come in here and win this regional. Southern 32-22 and 22 overall, 18-6 and six in the SWAC, 9-14 and 14 away from Baton Rouge, and 7-2 on a neutral field. Now, technically, I guess some will suggest an NCAA regional is a neutral field. This will be anything but neutral. This will be a crowd like they haven't seen. Yes, they did play midweek game at Alex Box Stadium, a game they won. Uh, and kind of looking through their numbers here, uh, they, they played LSU earlier in the year. And LSU beat them 17 to four, 17 to four. Okay. They played Southern Miss, another tournament team. They lose eight to three. You with me? <laughs> All right. And so you get a little deeper in the season, and uh, they lose, uh, you know, some some games that they probably should have won within their own conference. Uh, but you get a little deeper in the year, and you play Memphis. You beat Memphis at Memphis six one. That's a pretty big win for them. I think everybody would agree. Uh, and then you turn around and lose uh, two more to Memphis. So you win the first one, then you lose 10-1, and then they fought back on and the, the doubleheader at the game three, and they lose 14-12 to in 12 innings. So while Memphis was not a great team, you don't expect a team from the SWAC to be able to go into their own ballpark and have a realistic chance of winning two out of three. So this is not a Southern team, but it's just kind of, you know, an also-ran. They follow up that Memphis weekend, and they go, uh, they host LSU at Lee Hines Field on the, the Southern University campus, and they win 7-2. to And that's the game that everybody kind of keeps pointing at. Everybody kind of goes, hey, they beat, they beat LSU, they beat LSU. Which, and they did. They did beat LSU. But when I look back at these ball games, when you look at this um, – you know, that they've got some you know, decent enough pitching for their league. Uh, but uh, when you think about what they did to LSU, I think it's uh, it's rather interesting because LSU has hit Mississippi State pitching pretty well. Eli Finney was the pitcher to beat LSU. Eli Finney. Uh, Southern has beaten LSU three times in their school's history. So they are 3-53 they are against LSU, and this was their first win at Southern. And typically they don't play at Southern. Uh, matter of fact, back in 05, though, uh, Southern beat LSU at Alex Box Stadium. But uh, obviously, a um, you know a, a big win for them, and uh, turned out to be uh, you know, a seven-inning start for Finney. Uh, but with one of those deals too, when you think about it, everybody, everybody, and I mean everybody, especially in this tournament, everybody has an arm. Everybody's got an ace. There's, no, there's nobody out there you look at and say, well, you know, they just happen to luck into this thing. Everybody's got somebody that can have a big day. Everybody's got somebody that can give you a tough time. Uh, and I think that's one of the things you, you, you approach every opponent with respect. You know, and, and talking about Finney, when you go back and look at that LSU ball game, you know, he, he was the benefit of uh, an early lead. That they, Southern scored four runs in the first inning, and it was 5 nothing through six five to nothing in fact Antoine DePlantis goes 0 for 5 uh, in that ball game uh, Josh Smith 0 for 4 Chris Reed 0 for 4 uh, you, you run on down the list here I mean the LSU just simply didn't hit the baseball all told they had two hits on the night you get a hit from Zach Watson and one from a designated hitter 
but that's that's it. That's all you get. Two hits. And uh, you know, Fendi pitches uh, the game of his life. Seven innings pitch allows just one hit, one run, three walks, strikes out seven. Faced 26 hitters. Just an absolutely sparkling performance. Then they come back, and they piece it together. The final, the eighth. You know, Allen goes uh, one one inning, allows uh, one hit, and then they get a hitless ninth, and uh, the game is over. But everybody's capable, and so I, I suspect Mississippi State will see Finney. Uh, you know, Southern not a great offensive team, you know, and again, they have lost some ball games that have been um, been very, very lopsided. So you never know what you're going to get, you know, from from this team. But Mississippi State's had a lot of success against SWAC teams, and, and you you would expect it. And again, I want to be respectful to everybody, but Southern's a four seed for a reason. Okay. All due respect to them. Roger Kador built that program. I have a lot of respect for Roger. One, a great baseball person, great baseball mind, really committed to the HBCUs. Uh, just, you know, a tremendous guy. But uh, that, that time has kind of ended. But the tradition has continued at Southern. Southern, in many respects, has been the class of that conference for, for many years. Several years ago, a former co-worker of mine was on the team at Southern that beat Cal State Fullerton in NCAA Regional. So this is a team that has some history. But they're not a team that we expect to come in here and really challenge Mississippi State. But Mississippi State has got to find a way to get out of the doldrums with the baseball bats. As you guys know, uh, we didn't hit the baseball well last weekend. And I don't know that uh, that had everything to do with pitching. I don't think that's the case. I, th- I, think there's, I think we're pressing a little bit. You know, and maybe, maybe we went into Hoover thinking we got nothing to prove here. And maybe that impacted our, our ability to, to take quality swings at the plate. I don't know. But I know that it's prime time now. I know that it's time for Mississippi State offense to get going again. One of the top offensive teams in the country. And you're going to be playing a team that's 10 games over 500. And again, everybody points that that LSU win to show you, shows you what they're capable of. Because they are capable of giving you a tough day. And it's one of those things, too, about playing in front of big crowds. All of a sudden, you start pressing a little bit. It seems like every moment gets a little bit bigger. But that'll be the noon game on Friday. A lot of discussion, a lot of gnashing of teeth about playing the noon game on Friday. We did that in 2016. I know some coaches like to go ahead and get it done because of the fact you get the quick turnaround the next day. Uh, the bottom line, though, is that you know you ought to be used to that by now. You play Friday, Saturday, Sunday in these weekends, and there's so much that's, that's made for TV that uh, a lot of times you play Friday night and turn around and play again on Saturday afternoon. Uh, but TV has a lot to do with this sort of thing. You know, the, the, the Friday night game will be on the SEC network. There's just a lot of there's a lot of people involved in this deal. It's not as simple uh, as Mississippi State saying, "Okay, this is when we want to play." There's just a lot that goes into it. There's all this TV stuff that goes along with it, and the NCAA is involved in it. It's just a different deal. But the bottom line is, yes, we are going to play at noon. Now, had it been my call, I you know I want to play in front of a packed house. You know, I, I want to reward our fans, and uh, I would have played the night game. But uh, again. Nobody called and asked me, or you, or anybody else. That's the decision that was made. So it is what it is. So we can gripe about it, we can complain about it, but uh, we're going to spend the whole day at Dirty Noble Field on Friday and enjoy a couple games of baseball. Now that second ball game is one uh, that I think is awfully interesting. And I think that you guys, uh, you know, hopefully we're going to win that, that early game and then play the winner uh, the next night. But uh, when you look at this you know, Miami team, there were a lot of people – that felt like that they were uh, on the cusp of hosting an NCAA regional themselves. And then some crazy stuff happened, you know, in the ACC tournament, you know. Um, Miami gets bounced out after losing North Carolina. North Carolina gets hot. Uh, but when you look at this Miami team, they had some real opportunities down the stretch and kind of let them slip away. But this is a team that's very capable of winning this regional. This is not a team that you looked at and say, well, they're just going to be happy to be here. This is a proud program with a lot of talent. Yes, they've struggled at times this year, but by and large, they have been you know, a pretty consistent team, especially on the offensive side of things. 39-18 uh, and 18 on the year, 18-12 and 12 within their conference, 25-9 at home, 13-8 and eight away, and 1-1 one and one on neutral field. Uh, they, they did lose two out of three very early this year at Florida. They win the Friday night game and then drop uh, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, That's an interesting opponent in common. Uh, They also take two of three 
from Georgia Tech in Miami. Georgia Tech, of course, uh, a surprise uh, top four national seed, number three overall national seed, which is an absolute joke, but I, I digress. Miami then goes to North Carolina and loses two out of three at Chapel Hill. North Carolina also uh, a regional host team, so this is a quality competition. Then uh, Miami hosts NC State, who I think will win that ECU region. I'm going to go ahead and say it now. I think NC State is a dangerous team. I, I, I really, really do. I think they've got a chance to surprise them. NC State goes into Miami and sweeps the Hurricanes. That happened back in uh, the end of March. Very, very big ACC series loss very early in the year. Uh, of course, Florida State comes into Miami a couple weekends later, and uh, the Canes take care of that two two out of three. They win the first two games in shutout fashion, 11-0-4-0. So, obviously, uh, pretty good pitching. Florida State is kind of gifted a regional this year. There, I mean, they're back in the field. And I don't, to be fair, I don't think they have any business being there. I think that's all paying homage to Mike Martin. I think that's Ray Tanner taking care of his friend. They won't last. I'll be surprised. Uh, Miami goes on the road late in April, the middle of April, uh, to Louisville, another, another NCAA tournament team, and they lose two out of three. They won a slugfest on Saturday, 16-11, to 11, but uh, struggled to take the series. A couple of those games were competitive, but uh, you know Miami's pitching kind of failed them there. And then down the stretch, they lose a midweek game to Central Florida, take two out of three on the road at Winston-Salem, take two out of three at Duke, and then they get into the ACC Championship Series. They win the first game against uh, UVA and then lose to North Carolina. And so they have played some pretty good competition, but when you look at their record against uh, NCAA tournament teams, it's just okay. I mean, you don't look at that and say, man, this team is really scary. This team is capable of putting it all together. There is no question. And so I think when you begin to look at this team and you begin to think, okay, who do you not want to face? Well, I'd say it's Miami. It's because of the fact, obviously, you don't want to play Mississippi State, but uh, I think Miami is one of those teams you look at and say, this is a team that's very, very capable of putting a run together. They're going to come in here probably with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder because they probably felt like they should be hosting this year, uh, and they're not. So we'll get the benefit of, uh, of hosting them and playing them here, and then we'll see what happens. But uh really think this Miami-Central Michigan thing will be, uh, will be entertaining, to say the least. I don't know how much of you know a whole lot about Central Michigan. Uh, 46-12 and 12 on the year. That's a lot of wins for a mid-major program. That's a lot of wins. 22-5 and five within our conference. They've won 18 games in a row. 18 in a row. 15-2 and two at home and 20-8 and eight away, 11-2 and two on a neutral field. But any time that you won 18 games in a row, you begin to develop some belief that you can't be beat. That's what you begin to tell yourself. We will find a way. And I think that they will make this game awfully interesting against Miami. I think I think Miami might be looking at this thing. You know, listen, I'm not you know, trying to put too many thoughts in their head or speak for them, but I'm sure Miami is thinking, you know what, we just got to go beat Mississippi State. But this Central Michigan team, I don't know if you've, if you've done your research, but you probably should. They are very, very intriguing. Central Michigan hits the baseball. That's one of the things this time of year. If you can get just enough pitching and you can run the bases and you can play good defense, you're going to win a lot of baseball games. But these guys swing the bats. Uh, you've got three guys on that team hitting over 350. Uh, Xavier Warren's hitting 356 with 84 hits and 22 doubles and eight home runs, a couple triples, 68 RBI. That's getting it done right there. And you know what? 14 of 14 in stolen bases. Zach Gillis hitting 354. 55 runs scored, 81 hits, seven doubles, no home runs, 100 total bases, walked a good bit, strikes out a little bit, 20 of 25 in stolen bases. Also a really good bunter. Uh, Griffin Lockwood Powell, this guy's an absolute stud, hitting 353, 76 hits, 17 doubles, two triples, and 11 home runs, which leads the team. 74 RBI, which also leads the team. You got some guys in that order that are very big run producers. Doesn't, doesn't run it well. But you look up and down their lineup, they like to run the bases at CMU. The Chippewas, Jacob Crum, 
10 of 11 stolen bases. Jason Sullivan, 14 of 16. Uh, Zach Hickey, 6 of 7. Uh, Chase Rowland, 12 of 13. So you go all of them down the order. These are guys that can put a lot of pressure on your pitching staff. You're going to have to hold runners on. They're 88 and 102 in stolen bases as a team. Now let that sink in for a second. I, that's, that's a lot of getting up and down the base pass. And I guess when you're a team like, you know, when you're from the MAC, you got to be a little bit different, right? you got to find a way to kind of make some things happen. And, that, and that's what they're doing. They're putting pressure on the defense. They're putting the ball in play, forcing you to make a play defensively. And then when you get on there, they're making things happen. They're putting pressure on your pitchers. They're giving you something else to think about. You're having to get guys in a stretch. And, and to kind of put some things in perspective for you, when you begin to think about stolen bases, right? I mentioned that number, right? And, you, and to put some context on it, I mentioned that there are 88 of 102 in stolen bases. Okay, Miami is 75 of 92. So Central Michigan has stolen almost as many bases as Miami has attempted. And so sleep on the Chippewas if you want to, but they're capable of coming here making this thing interesting. I think when I look at this team, uh, I think that Friday night game is going to be incredibly entertaining. I, I don't think there's any question that Miami and, and Central Michigan, that, that ball game will be worth your attendance. If you're here, I think you need to be here to be a part of that. Uh, Pat Leatherman is a guy that we expect to pitch for him this weekend, 10-1 and one on a weekend, uh, 10, 10 on the season, 10-0 and 0 for Cameron Brown. That's, they've got some guys, again, that are used to winning. You got guys still out of strikes too. Looking at Leatherman's numbers here, you know he is one of those guys too. 83 strikeouts, 83 against 25 walks. Cameron Brown, 78 against 30. So decent strikeout to walk ratio there. But they're they're a team that just doesn't give up a whole lot. Team ERA of 3.95. Uh, but uh, again, they're not coming down here just to enjoy some barbecue. They're not going by just to get their picture made in front of Hobie Hobart's uh, Tiki Lounge, okay? I'm sure that'll be part of the trip. But they're coming down here expecting to win. Again, this is a team that's won 18 games in a row. They sweep through the MAC tournament like it's nothing. And and, and let me me put that in perspective for you. They play Thursday night against Ohio. They beat them 18-9. Then they come back and beat number two Ball State, 8-2. And then they come back on Saturday just when you think they're running short of pitching and they win 6 nothing. So collectively, kind of put those numbers together for you. Uh, they outscore opponents in their conference tournament. What's that? 32-11. to 11. Okay, so they're used to winning. They're going to come in here expecting to win. Down the stretch, they beat Michigan State. They played some Power 5 teams. You look at this and say, yeah, they've been really good in their conference, Steve, but, you know, but who all have they played? You know, it's difficult when you're a northern team, okay, to have an opportunity uh, to play a lot of big-time non-conference games. But the Chippewas take two from Michigan State, including one at East Lansing. They go into South Bend, Indiana, and they beat the Irish 17-7, to right? It's one of those deals where you look at this team and you think, you know what, if, the, if there's a fly in the ointment this weekend, it might be these guys. And so Miami is smart to take these guys seriously because Central Michigan swings the bat, they play good defense, and they're going to pitch it. They're going to throw strikes. Uh, so I'm looking forward to, to every bit of this. And so, you know, I hope that you can come be a part of that. I want to remind you guys, too, for those of you that uh, are interested in this sort of thing, and you, and you very well should be, it is a big football recruiting weekend for Mississippi State. We will have the first and the earliest football camps that I can remember. Uh, in my career, we're going to go ahead and have the uh, the top dog camp, you, formerly known as the big dog camp that we used to run in July. So it's a different format now. We're going to run that this Friday, and then we're going to have a prospect camp on Saturday. And so our coverage of that, Paul Jones will do the heavy lifting on that. I'll be back and forth. Uh, but we're going to have full coverage of the regional event as well as top dog camp at Mississippi State. Now, the way the top dog camp works is is pretty similar to what we've done in years past. You know, we'll have uh, many of the commitments on campus. Uh, there is no longer that requirement to uh, to compete. You know, like a big dog camp, you know, if you if you didn't come to camp and you didn't work out, then uh, your commitment, you got dropped. That happened more than once, okay, under Dan Mullen. 
But uh, last year we saw Garrett Schrader and Quentin Torber get out there and have a chance to kind of work together on the field and do some recruiting, that sort of stuff. Uh, but there's going to be many of the top targets will be on, in town this weekend. It's going to be a little different deal for them, okay, because all of you are going to be here for baseball. So parking's going to be at a premium, right? It's going to be difficult for everybody to get in and out of there. Uh, but the bottom line is there's going to be a lot of activity on campus. And so these prospects are going to see how crazy Mississippi State folks are about Bulldog athletics. And so that's a big part of things. And I think it's important for them to see that. And so, again, we're going to have full coverage of everything. I know a lot of other people kind of have to pick and choose what they can cover. It's one of the things we're so blessed to have such a big staff. We're going to be able to do, do both. And, uh, and so at this point today, as we get into, into Wednesday, I don't anticipate a lot of commitments. You know, Big Dog Camp in the past, there's always been that, you know, big announcement weekend, that sort of stuff. And I think a part of that is because we had the June camps to kind of sift through it all and kind of figure out who we wanted. And then you kind of prioritized guys for Big Dog Camp. You invited the best of the June camp guys to Big Dog Camp. And then everybody comes back from vacation. You make the big push. You get them in before the season. Well, this time the order is flipped. You're getting a lot of those guys in prior to the June camps. And so I think what you're going to have is you're going to have a lot of guys that already have Mississippi State offers. You're going to have some guys that, uh, you know, perhaps are already priority targets. And then we get into June camps and kind of fill in the gaps. Okay, there are some other guys that perhaps need a little more evaluation. Uh, there are a few guys out there that perhaps uh, need to work with the coaches and kind of figure out where they fit position-wise. That will all take place in June. But uh, a much, much smaller number of camps under Joe Moorhead. There were times, I think, under Dan Mullen that we might have set an SEC record for uh, consecutive days of football camps. I mean, sometimes it was 13, 14 consecutive days, and it's such a grind. And then on behalf of the coaches, then they added all the satellite camp stuff too, so then they would have to coach camp and get on a plane and then go to a satellite camp in Miami or wherever uh, and then turn the whole thing around and come back and and hold camp. And so uh, it was a difficult undertaking for everybody involved. Joe Moorhead has kind of condensed things down. Less days, less weekdays, more of it's on weekends. Now, in between those camps, what Joe Moorhead and his staff plan to do is get guys on campus with their families, be able to spend some individual time with them, much like we saw last year. And you remember last year, June is when Mississippi State kind of made their big push for recruiting. July was the Ole Miss month. June was the Mississippi State month. And so one of the reasons why is because in June, Joe Moorhead and the staff did a great job of getting the priority targets on campus with their families. And the next thing you know, you had Nathan Pickering commit and you had Dennis Jackson commit, which we, you know, he eventually flipped. But uh, it's around that same time. That's when State really kind of made their move and people began to think, you know what? Moorhead's taking this thing seriously. And one of the things that I'll say that's different about Moorhead uh, than Mullen, uh, especially when it came to to June, and and you could even see it last year, Joe Moorhead and the the new Mississippi State staff were visiting with prospects up until the last day before the summer dead period began. That wasn't the case when Dan Mullen was here, and that wasn't the case when Dan was at Florida last year. They they were ready to kind of get into vacation or do things a little bit later in the process. Uh, but Joe Moorhead, I felt like, took full advantage of the recruiting calendar last year and, as a result, had a really, really good June. And one of the things that happens with in-state recruiting is whenever you deliver a punch, you take a punch. And that's what happened. State delivers a thundering blow in June, and Ole Miss answered right back in July. And so there was you know, some ebb and flow throughout the process. And, of course, Mississippi State ends up – you know, top 25 class and does a really nice job there uh, and and really, I think, put themselves in a position to get off to a good start for 2020. I mentioned this in the Bones last night on Gene's page and kind of teased that in an article earlier today. Mississippi State got off to a tremendous start in in-state wide receiver com- uh, recruiting. You had E.J. Mason. You had uh, Tulu, LaDiatra Griffin. And then you had... Uh, the South Pike kid, um, Adams, Alex Adams, jumping the boat. And uh, Adams, the guy that could have played safety, could have played wide receiver. But you got three guys right out of the gate. And now here we are in, in May, and uh, none of those three are still on the Mississippi State commitment list. And so this weekend, all those guys have been invited back to campus. Now, I understand Griffin's going to be there. 
Matter of fact, I spoke to somebody earlier today, said, you know what, he's going to be there. Uh, trying to work it out to get his mom up there, too, and have a return visit to campus. Uh, and that's a big part of things, too. You know, Joe Moorhead and the staff, that, that they want everybody kind of in one accord when it comes to making a commitment. And so trying to work things out to get his mom up there, we'll see how that works out. There's plenty of summer left. But as we know, a lot of times these summer decisions are so big because once they get into the season, a lot of these guys are really are more focused on academics, focused on their own seasons and, and competing for state championships. And now with the signing period in December, you don't have the time you used to have for recruiting guys that want to sign early. So you've got to make use of this time in the summer. You've got to make strong impressions. And so uh, Griffin, we expect him back. I understand that the other guys have been invited back to their working to get them in. We'll have a great group of prospects on campus. Uh, Jaden Wally is a guy from D'Alberville that probably the best player in Mississippi, many of you don't know. And I understand he's going to be in this weekend. Uh, I like him as a defensive back. I think he's a long-ranging guy. He plays quarterback in high school because he's the best athlete on his football team. And uh, probably the second best athlete on the team is his younger brother. That's one of the top prospects for 2021. So could be a good situation there. You get him in, you get him excited, and uh, you know perhaps uh, make a move there. But one of the things that I've learned about this staff, they're pretty unpredictable. Just when you think, okay, nothing's going to happen here, they get something big to happen. And I remember last year when they got Nathan Pickering to commit, everybody said, well, that won't stick, that won't stick. But it did stick. And he did take some visits, and he told me today that he committed. <clears throat> yes, I'm committed to Mississippi State, but I still plan to take my official visits. He didn't take them all, but he did take some official visits, but yet he stuck with his Mississippi State commitment. In fact, he got even more irritated down the stretch as people began to kind of forecast that he would flip. I think in most respects, that probably pushed him closer to Mississippi State. A lot of people out there with sources don't really have sources. They just throw something against the wall and tribute to somebody else so you don't hold them accountable. Uh, but I'll tell you, my source on Nathan Pickering was Nathan Pickering. And uh, he is one of those guys, too, that was always true to his word. Whenever he told me he would call me, he did. Whenever I texted him, he answered. Whenever he didn't have an answer for me, he just told me he didn't know. Whenever he said that he was going to visit somewhere, he did. You know, I don't know how he was with everybody else, but I know this. I know that when he told me something, uh, he was 100% accurate with what he, what he said. And so I think that speaks a lot about him. I think the fact that he continued to recruit hard for Mississippi State down the stretch says a lot about his affection for the Bulldogs. He is constantly on social media saying hell stayed forever and things of that nature. But that was the commitment you got in June. And we knew that it was going to be a roller coaster. But because of the character of the young man and the family around him, there was never really undue concern there. There just never was. And there were some other people that kind of rode the roller coaster, but really Nathan wasn't one of them. I really wasn't. And I think I think one of those things that I've learned about recruiting, I've been covering it now for, I guess, 20 years or so, is that uh, the guys that play recruiting games, for some reason they have a difficulty adjusting to uh, to college football. It's just a different deal. And, and that, that's been the case with Mississippi State kids, with Ole Miss kids, with Auburn kids, with LSU kids. Every one of those kids, it seems like there's a greater percentage of those kids, the ones that play games with recruiting, you know, the ones that want to be involved in some in-your-face flip or something, right? I don't know if it's just the football gods holding them accountable or if it's karma or whatever, but generally the kids that play games with recruiting don't really amount to much on the football field in the college level. Just It just hadn't been that way. And, and, and I, I, can't, I can't put a name on it, and I can't, you know, give you a great reason for it, but I'll just tell you that that has just been my experience. And there have been some kids that, uh, you know, have, have flipped from state to Ole Miss and uh, kind of rubbed our nose in it. And, um, you know, most of you forgotten their names. The other side of it, there have been some kids that have flipped from Ole Miss to Mississippi State and, uh, you know, and, and been somewhat uh, negative about it. And you, they, did, they didn't do much. I mean, that's just the reality of things. There's so much of that that goes on. And I think at the end of the day, it boils down to this. I think guys that are truly committed and guys that understand the process with a level of maturity, and more times than not, that level of maturity is evidence that there are people around them that are well-grounded, right? When you've got a coach that really doesn't care where the kid goes to school, but as long as he gets an education, as long as he makes an informed decision that they're supportive of that. And, they're, and let me tell you, that's the overwhelming majority of high school coaches. 
the majority of high school coaches just want their kids to do well. They want their kids to be able to get an education, support their families, be able to come back and be a positive role model in their communities. They want to be able to put that picture up on the wall as a inspiration to the other kids that come up to their program. That is the overwhelming majority of coaches. There are a few of them out there that will say, well, you know, I want him to go to this school. You know, and here's the thing, Coach, I'll tell you, there's a lot of those kids that want something better than what you want. But those guys are few and far between. And even fewer than that, there are a few guys out there that try to manipulate the process. There are a few, there are a few of those guys. But when you've got a coach that doesn't really care where a kid goes to school, where his only care is for the young man, that's a good situation. You got a high school coach that'll take the kid wherever he wants to go. Hey, hey, coach, I want to go visit Memphis this weekend. So the next thing you know, we're heading up 55. Hey, coach, I want to go to Southern Miss. I want to go to LSU. I want to go see Alabama play. I want to go to Mississippi State's top dog camp. When you've got a coach that's willing to do that and help the kid make a decision and help the kid build relationships, you're in good, you're in, you're in good shape. You have more than likely signed a very, very level-headed kid. And then when you throw in the family aspect of it, when you've got a family out there that are making decisions for the right reasons, and there are some people out there that are suckers for the quick reward, right? I'm not going to go into a lot of detail about that, but you know exactly what I'm talking about. There are some people out there, there's always that uncle, there's always that cousin, there's always that friend of the family, right? And, and the truth of the matter is, long term, they don't really care what happens to the kid. They don't really care. But when you've got a coach and you've got a family and everybody's number one concern is the player and more beyond that, the person. They want the player to have a great career, but more importantly, they want the young man to get an education. They want the young man to be able to change his family tree forever. They want the young man to be able to accomplish something in life. That's a beautiful thing. There's not enough of that in the world. There's a lot more of it than you would realize. Not everybody's looking for a handout. Not everybody. But it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. When everybody in the kid's ear that has real access and has real influence is putting the needs of the young men first. That's when things are beautiful. And those guys usually pan out. They may not all be stars, but they usually complete their college careers without any drama. They get their college degree, and they go on and do something with their, their lives. And they can look back and say, you know what, I did things for the right reasons. It's a beautiful thing. I look forward to a lot more of those stories. Well, folks, we'll be back on Friday as we get ready to play some NCAA regional baseball. We'll talk more about uh, what is to come and what we learned on Thursday from all four teams during our media availability. And, again, all that content will be free on jeanspage.com for you on Thursday throughout the day. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends and enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.